and welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Steve is out sick, and the world could always use your heroes. In episode 292 today, October 13th, 2022, we're going to be going right into the topic of the day, which is Overwatch 2 Impressions. So there's no need to fast forward whatsoever throughout the podcast because we're going to get right into the nitty gritty. But before we do, make sure you click on that subscribe button as well as that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single solitary episode of Joygasm that drops once a week each week. Now, this has been something I've been looking forward to for a very long time. A very long time. And this is, to no one's surprise... The uh, sequel to 2016's arguably Game of the Year. It was actually one of my favorite games that has come out, and I've been playing it for many, many hours uh, over the past several years. And, of course, the, the big question that has been on my mind and has been on the minds of all the fans of Overwatch is when can we expect the sequel? When can we expect Overwatch 2 to be released? And now here we are. So I have a list of things that I wanted to be able to talk to you. You know, have some coffee talk. The only problem is I don't have coffee. I have water. But you know what? That'll suffice. And I wanted to go down on a number of things because I've put in, I would say, close to a week's worth of time with, with the game. And I, along with many of you, have had some of the same issues with regard to, to the DDoS attacks that initially happened to Blizzard servers. So um, it really uh, pretty much made it impossible for me to be able to actually start playing once the game dropped. However, the, the servers have stabilized and we are at a point now where we can actually start getting in there and, and checking out what all Blizzard has been cooking up for us. So I thought I'd start off with the graphics because I've always been a big fan of the graphics in games. I always like to see kind of what the, the teams have been working on in order to improve an already beautiful game. And I really do believe that they've done a nice facelift for this particular series. And so I was initially went when I first got into the game, instead of playing right away, I just went to the Heroes Gallery and I wanted to check out what all was there. I was struck immediately by the comparisons. You know, I think it was a nice idea to have the Overwatch 1 classic skin right on top of the Overwatch 2 default classic skin and just being able to kind of go back and forth and see like what kind of refinements they've made, what kind of like high res textures they've included. If there's one thing about Blizzard that we all know, it's the fact that their level of polish is just as the, they're, they're, they're the king of the hill when it comes to polish. It's amazing like how much TLC they're able to put into their visuals. So that was a lot of fun to be able to go through that. I do think it was a bit surprising to see how, at least at this point in time, there really weren't a plethora of different skins that were new. And it's interesting to think about how they were being thoughtful in terms of bringing over all of the different types of loot and 
leveling and all basically like our career within Overwatch from the first game into the second game. I was like, all right, cool. That, that's, that's a really good idea. Um, but one of the things that I find myself kind of thinking about is how when I first played Overwatch 1 and I was going into the hero gallery, all the skins were new to me. I had never seen any of these before and you could tell that there was a considerable amount of um, thought and, and design process that has gone through each one of these heroes and it was pretty impressive. I mean, yeah, you have like certain color swap outs and that sort of thing, which is fine. You know, like, like if you prefer a different color on, on your favorite hero, you can select that if you wish. And over time, as the game progressed and as the, the developers continue to iterate on the different skins, then we we even we got even more skins as a result of that. And so I think um, that was always something that was fantastic. And then you could tell that like the, the majority of the team began to start working on Overwatch 2. And that meant that you had a smaller pool of developers that were continuing to generate content for the, the current Overwatch game, but it really started to slow down a bit. What I think is interesting about Overwatch 2, however, is when I look at the heroes that existed from the first game into the second game, my expectation, my personal expectation, was that I was going to actually see just a huge list of brand new skins for each one of the characters. Not that they would necessarily be readily available for me to equip, but more as kind of a continuation from the first game in terms of us being able to get like a sneak peek, right? Like being able to browse and see uh, what we can earn or if we wanted to, to purchase gamers uh, credits for um, getting enough in order to, to purchase that particular skin. And in this instance, it seemed as though there was there were really only like, you know, one guaranteed new skin, which was kind of like, you know, the Overwatch 2 classic skin. And I don't think there were that many characters, if any, off the top of my head that actually had a number of other brand new skins that were exclusive to the release of Overwatch 2. Now, the new characters that, that they had, the new heroes that, that they launched along with the game, obviously they all of their skins are new and, and it was fun to go through that and we'll cover that in a bit. But that was one of the critiques I did have with this title was that I was a bit surprised at how at this point in time, there really are not like the, any kind of comprehensive new lists of skins to choose from for our, uh, all of our favorite heroes. Now, I do think the battle pass system, which we'll talk about a bit later, has something to do with that. So I'll return to that later. But just in terms of looking through the hero gallery and then going and, and playing the game itself, looking at the, the, the once again, the, the current roster of maps as well as the new maps, I just, I really found myself enjoying seeing this visual fidelity with everything. You know, I, I just, I, I ate it up. And in tandem with the visuals, I got to say, I got to sing the praises to the sound team of Blizzard just because the sound effects in this game were really punched up. Like you had a lot more meaty sounds and like just, I don't know, my, my sound system, you could tell, was having a field day with all of the different types of um, upgraded or new types of sound effects that were going on. And I found myself really enjoying that, just cranking that up. Um, and, and that's actually saying something just because 
the first Overwatch game also had a lot of just terrific sound effects and you know you could tell the Foley artists were having a great time with that. The music itself, so I, and this is what I believe with the, the first Overwatch game, the music from the first Overwatch was sublime. It was absolutely fantastic. They really hit the nail on the head in terms of finding a sound that correlates with what being a hero is all about. And it was, the, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's crazy to think about because the game came out in 2016, which was, if my math serves me correctly, that was about six, almost seven years ago. And even to this day, I get goosebumps. I get chills when I hear different types of, of um, tracks from the Overwatch original soundtrack. Uh, whether I'm playing the game or if I just have it playing in the background on like a, a YouTube channel that has like like the list of of uh, tracks from the game itself, they have done an uh, an exquisite job with that first title. In the second game, it's interesting because I really dig like kind of the evolution of what they're doing with the music. There are a number of different tracks that are being played that you can tell like they're riffing off of what they already established with the first soundtrack and then they're they're wanting to kind of continue on from there i was a bit surprised though when it came to multiple tracks being more subdued if you noticed like when you're in some of the menu systems or you're waiting or whatever there is kind of more of a chill factor if you will like like kind of a um like you're in the green room, you're in the lobby, and it's just, it's meant to be more soothing than it is to get you like amped up and hyped. And so that was an interesting choice. I'm curious to see if they continue to add to the, the music that they already have in Overwatch 2, just simply because while I do like the, the more mellow, chill subtleties of, of some of the tracks, I really want to get more of that just over-the-top, crazy, epic um, hero music that Overwatch has built a reputation on. So it's it's something that I, I'm going to keep my eyes peeled about. Um, the uh, in terms of the the voice acting, there are all kinds of brand new bites that you know sound bites and whatnot that you can select and choose and that sort of thing i did find it interesting and i i'm sure a lot of you had this situation too where when i was playing the game i realized that my selections for all the heroes were kind of reset they were they went back to being um, back to a, like a default status and so i had to go back through and manually reapply i think it was not only the voice lines I wanted, but also the, um, I think the stickers, um, like the, the different types of sprays, that sort of thing that I wanted. And again, I don't know if that's just a bug that they have to fix and then all of a sudden it'll magically go back to how it was or, or whatnot. But that was something that I, I also noticed. I was like, not a huge deal. But I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird. But I do love hearing all of the, the voice lines. I think that is such a treat. And it's great to be able to go through and select these different heroes. And even when, when, you, when you run out the gate, they have all new voice lines. And, and as someone who just, I just love voice acting. I love uh, making all kinds of voices and, and being a goof myself. It is, it's just a rewarding cherry on top. 
the animation itself. So what's interesting about this is that uh, I found myself really appreciating the hero select screen because you can tell they really wanted to, to push the envelope in terms of, of bringing more character to these characters. And in the first Overwatch game, when you got to the hero select screen and you were kind of mousing over or just, you know, kind of highlighting the different heroes before you select them, you'd see a little bit of animation, right? Like, like you maybe like they'd kind of turn and look at you or something like that, but that was about it. In this one, you can tell that they put a lot more thought into, okay, how do we, how do we, how do we ratchet this up from, from what was already established? And so again, I love animation. I love character. I love, I love how they put all this time and effort into bringing out as much of that as possible. So that way, you know, if, if you select junk rat, you are immersed immediately into the persona that is junk rat versus someone like Widowmaker or mercy or Reinhardt. It doesn't matter who it is, but um, that was something that I, I found myself really loving as well. Now the game has three new heroes added to the roster what was interesting for me was that psychologically, for some reason, I was expecting an all new roster, which I, it doesn't make sense because I know, or I should say I knew, um, going into this whole game that all of the, the OG characters would be making their triumphant return. But for some reason I was just, I was expecting there to be just this, this huge, uh, addition to the roster. I have since recalibrated my expectations on that. And so it is, yeah, it is nice that there are three new heroes to check out and, and see uh, how they run. And I thought I'd go down each one and give my thoughts on those. First off, we have Sojourn. And what I think is really fun is that her first name is, is Vivian, which is uh, my daughter's name. So already I have sentimental attachment to this particular hero. But what's interesting about her is I found her to be similar to that of Soldier 76, where she is more, she's definitely DPS all the way. And what's interesting about her is she has this really nice feeling assault rifle. I don't know what like the technical term is for her weapon. I'm sure they've got some fancy name for it. Um, but I, I found myself enjoying her abilities where she has kind of that slide ability that none of the other heroes have, which is great when you're in a pinch and you need to take evasive action, or maybe you're just trying to outmaneuver an opponent as you're, you're in a, a duel with them and see if you can try and get uh, either the, the upper hand or just survive, you know, out survive them. So I thought that was great. Um, I really liked, I can, I can, I'm, I'm still learning the, the terminology of these different abilities. So you have to please be patient with me as I kind of broadly uh, describe these different things. But she has this one type of orb ability that she fires out. And apparently I think it kind of does both a, not necessarily like a full on stun to enemies, but there's something there where maybe it slows them down or, or draws them in or something like that. And at the same time, I think it leeches off some of their health. And I can tell you that through playing for hours with this particular ability, it works really nicely in conjunction with all the other types of abilities that this particular hero has. I'm not used to the other part of her weapon where like somehow you can charge up her weapon to fire off these 
charged bolts or, or whatever. I'm not familiar. I, like I, I kind of mistakenly did it. And I, I, I again, I, I couldn't tell you how I went about doing that. But when I was able to figure that out and when I was able to, to successfully get those charges activated, that also introduced another layer of depth to the hero. So it's just a matter of time for someone like myself to be able to get to grips with that particular hero and see what else can be done. What I did find interesting too, is that she, in my opinion, is a bit on the squishy side. And I'm not sure how I feel about that at this point in time. Um, sometimes I feel like she's a little too squishy, but at the same time playing, I think that perhaps that is part of the balancing of that hero, because if they were to give her more health or shields or whatever, I could see her being more of a problem. So I'll have to continue playing with her and seeing ultimately like how I feel about that. So that's, that's kind of like in the wings. Now the second hero um, is I always want to say Kikiro, but that's not correct. It's Kiriko and she's a healer class and she's just this adorable hero. Uh, I really enjoyed the cinematic actually that Blizzard dropped where it introduced her and, and, and showed off a little bit of, of her story and moving into to this particular game. It was interesting to play her just because She's not a Mercy. She's not a Moira. You know, uh, she comes from the same clan, I believe, as Hanzo and Genji. And so there, there is that kind of um, similar sensibility to it. But, um, you know, she, used the, she uses the, these pieces of paper. And I know, once again, I don't know the terminology yet. I'm still learning. But the idea being that she can fling these pieces of paper that will heal uh, different people on the team. And she has shurikens that she can toss as well. I really like the shurikens because they're silent, kind of like how Hanzo and I would say Genji to a certain extent, you know, with his ninja stars. It's nice to be able to contribute to different types of battles just because there may be moments where other teammates just can't quite seal the deal in terms of taking different enemies out. And, and perhaps if I'm able to, to luckily just like get a, a shuriken or two in, then, then I can aid them in, in that instance. Her ultimate ability, and I just realized that I didn't talk about Sojourn's um, ultimate. So let me pause real quick and go back to Sojourn. I'm still learning Sojourn's um, ultimate it seems like she goes into kind of more, again, it's similar kind of sort of to soldier 76 where you get this futuristic HUD that appears. And then all of a sudden I think your rate of fire increases and I think you just output more damage, but it's not as seeker friendly as soldier 76 where you can just kind of loosely move around and you, and you can lock on to different targets and stuff. So still trying to figure that part out. Um, but going back to uh, Kiriko, her ultimate is interesting too. I find that it has um, strengths and weaknesses to it from the standpoint that if you are in a map that has a lot of narrow passageways, like let's say for instance, King's Row, right? King's Row has a lot of narrow passageways. Her ultimate shines because regardless of whether you're on offense or defense, that ultimate can help the team really to their advantage. And so I think that that's a really good thing. However, when I'm playing maps that are a bit more open, I find that it's harder for that 
particular ultimate to have as much of an effect as it does in these these other types of narrow passageway maps. So it's, it's interesting to kind of see that. There are certain abilities that I really have not been taking advantage of like I should. And that again, that's just part of the learning process. But her being able to climb up walls like Hanzo does or Genji, I really haven't been using that. Her ability to be able to teleport through a wall to where an ally is, I really have not been on top of that either. And so that is a side to her that I'm looking forward to seeing how I can leverage and be able to pivot when necessary to see how I can I can take full advantage of what this character has to offer. Now, the third hero is Junker Queen. She had her own cinematic, and again, really fun to be back in Junkertown, see what she's about, and I, I got a little bit of play with her, not as much as the other two new heroes, but I, I did get enough to kind of start to get a feel for what she's about, and she does strike me as kind of a brawler type of player. She is a, she's considered a tank class, but she's not as tanky as like say Diva or Reinhardt in my opinion. I think that that she's kind of mid-range. It's almost kind of like like she's she, uh, to say she's a hybrid is a bit too strong, but it's in that direction of like she strikes me being part tank and part DPS, but it, it's just kind of yeah, it's, it's 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 in there somewhere. Her shotgun is a lot of fun, but I find that um, you have to be more close range for it to really do damage. I do enjoy her knife throwing. Um, you could tell that there was probably some inspiration from God of War, uh, particularly God of War 4 that came out on PS4 with uh, Kratos's axe where he could like throw it and it like, you know, sticks into an enemy and then he can call it back. And, and uh, you know, the showmanship side of that, as well as some of the... Um, gameplay advantages also come into play. So I think that's that's a really nice ability that she has in terms of her knife where you can decide to leave the knife in your enemy, your adversary, and I think it continues to drain um, their health over time or you can call it back. I haven't mastered it yet. I'm not even close to mastering that particular ability. So I don't know if... It's by design that like if, say, for instance, you stick an adversary with a knife and you call it back, if the enemy is supposed to be brought to you like really close up so that you can use your shotgun uh, or your, your, uh, your, I think it's like your axe. I don't know if maybe that only happens for more of the smaller lightweight characters as opposed to the big ones like Roadhog or Reinhardt. Again, I I just don't have the experience yet to really give you a a concrete answer on that. But it is a lot of fun. The axe is also a lot of fun. It's really satisfying when you time it just right and she's able to like really haul off and do that big old axe swing. So again, when you look at these three different heroes that are new to the overall hero roster, there's a, there, each one has its own kind of unique persona, its own unique feel, and I think that they all really fit nicely within the, the world of Overwatch heroes. Now, one of the things that I'd like to talk about now pivoting off of the heroes is actually talking about the menu systems, the UI UX design and the infographics that accompanies them. What's interesting is that they've done away with the loot boxes. And I understand that there are quite a few different places in the world where 
that is considered gambling. And I think they were starting to run into legal issues and there was becoming kind of this logistical headache. And so um, they ended up doing away with that system and instead have embraced the battle pass system. Now the battle pass system, I feel, and this is generally speaking, this is not um, specific to just overwatch, but I feel that the, the feature of the battle pass itself is currently going through this iterative process because we're seeing it appear in a lot of these different AAA games, um, specifically when it comes to uh, first-person shooters. And so like Halo Infinite, for example, has Battle Pass. But in my opinion, I feel as though the UI design, the UI UX design of Halo Infinite is rather clunky. It's hard to navigate. I, I've put a significant amount of hours into that game and I still to this day forget like, how do I get to certain menus and why am I only seeing this kind of stuff over here? You know, it's, it's, it's difficult for me as a player to f- just simply get to menus that I want to get to. And then, so then that begins to cause my interest in playing the game to wane, right? I think Overwatch 2 succeeds where Halo Infinite has failed in that department where their battle pass system is a lot more straightforward it's simplistic and I can easily try and find what it is I'm looking for. Um, there was like a little bit of a learning curve at the beginning, but honestly that took about a day or two. Now I'm like fully comfortable moving back and forth through it. I love the idea of how you can press like on Xbox, for example, I can press the menu button and you'll get like this little inset that appears in the upper right hand corner. Like, like if you were, um, let's say you're in the hero gallery, you were on like a hero screen. You can press that button and then you'll see like all the credits that have come over, have have transferred from Overwatch 1, any kind of new credits that you've achieved from Overwatch 2, and then any of like the special like competitive play points and that sort of thing. It's really convenient just to be able to see just because I think that that could also get easily confusing to players when you have this transfer of older credits that still apply to a certain extent, because you can't actually use those toward, I don't think any of the new items. I think that's only predominantly for all the loot that has transferred over from Overwatch one. So that that's really convenient in terms of the main menu screen. It's very easy to see what's going on. You have play at the top followed by, um, I think it's like, shop, I want to say. And, oh no, I'm sorry. It's play heroes, which is basically the hero gallery, then shop, then battle pass. And then you have some smaller ones down below. Now, what I was initially confused on is, um, there, they have taken certain other types of the UI out of overwatch Two. One of the things that I was uh, a bit surprised about was the performance summary at the end of each match. So like in Overwatch 1, after you watch the play of the game, then you are presented with this particular screen that showcases like who the the top performing gamers uh, were for that particular match. But then also you get to kind of take a look at how you did as well. And they have taken that away, which I was a bit surprised about. Because I think that that was kind of a nice kind of exit lobby area where like you didn't just like leave and start a new match, but like you were able to kind of um, reflect 
and meditate on like how that match went. And if you wanted to, to like, you know, uh, praise your, your, your fellow teammates or whatever on your headsets, you could, and you, and you could all look at that stuff together. Now, the good news is they have a career profile on the main menu screen, which when you go to it, they have, and I don't know if I wrote them, them all down here. Uh, oh, I did. When you go into career profile, you'll notice at the top that they have these different, um, tabbed sections that you can go to. And one is overview, one is stats, one's history, and the other one is customized. And this is where a lot of your comprehensive performance summaries and statistics live, essentially. So now that I know where that is, I can then go. I'm not crazy about like how that has forced me to take extra steps, like extra button presses and having to like try and find where that is. I would prefer it if they were to return to what they had before. We'll have to see like, you know, what they end up doing based on the, the fan feedback of that. But I can tell you the good news is I love the career profile. I love like having that there. Like if, if it was up to me, I would keep the career profile as is just also make a triumphant return with like the post game summary screen at the end of every match, just add that back in and keep the career profile. The, the actual layout is super clean. I really enjoyed being able to look at the updated concept art. I love all the headshots of the heroes. I think that's fantastic. Um, and I'm as someone who works in UI UX design, I personally appreciate being able to see the hard work of, of the UI UX team when it comes not only to Overwatch 2, but in any game. You know, I, I just really geek out on that stuff. Now, another thing that was confusing that I have on my list here is when I was playing the game, I, I was noticing that the only time I could look at my hero's abilities, you know, is when you're currently on like the, the hero select screen before the match begins. And I think on Xbox, you press the Y button and that brings up, you know, the, this other infographic that, that showcases the, what each ability is for that particular hero that, that, that you have highlighted and different descriptions of like how to use it, that sort of thing. Once I got into the game, however, I was not able to reference that screen again. And I can't remember if in Overwatch 1, you could do that during gameplay or not. My knee-jerk reaction is to say that you could, but now that Overwatch 1 has essentially been overwritten, there's no way for me to go back. I suppose what I could do, well, yeah, no. I was going to say I could go back through my, my Twitch playthroughs, but I mean, that's going to take so much time. So, eh, if, if any of you know for sure, uh, I, I invite you to write it in the comments down below, but... I did, however, find out that once again, going back to the hero gallery screen, there is a section that's in the upper right-hand corner that's called, I believe it's called hero information. So if you just navigate your mouse, you know, you have on the left side, you have like all those uh, tabs that are stacked vertically, like, you know, your skins, your voice lines, so on and so forth. You just press right on the left tab and then it'll take you over to hero information, which I believe is by default, it's, it's in an orange color. It's like that Overwatch orange. And it's there that you can also take a look at the hero abilities for that particular hero that you have selected. 
I like that, but I do want to see that screen become available in gameplay because especially if I'm playing a new hero or if I'm playing a hero that I don't play very often, chances are I'm, I'm going to forget like how to do certain things. And it would just be nice to be able to go back to that. I spent some time in the options screens and, and as of this recording, I have been unsuccessful in actually finding like an option to be able to like have that become activated. So again, if anyone knows how that actually works, if it's even there, uh, please put a, a comment down below if you're on YouTube and uh, let me know, or, you know, ping me on social media um, and, and let me know that way. Now the battle pass, I know I mentioned this um, a bit earlier, but I wanted to talk more about the battle pass. And it's interesting because in a perfect world, it's like, I kind of wish that they, they could figure out a solution to be able to still have the loot boxes exist in the game. Maybe not in the same way that it used to be in Overwatch 1, because again, of all the gambling issues and that sort of thing. But I just love the idea of getting a present. It's, it's the coolest thing to get a loot box, not know what's inside, and just be able to open it and see what you get. And off the top of my head, I, I mean, the idea that I have would just be, why can't Battle Pass and the, the loot box system coexist in such a way where, you know, the Battle Pass is designed to be able to, you know, if, if you pay for the Battle Pass, you get to essentially window shop, right? You're browsing through what is in each given season. So in season one, you get to see, oh, from level one to level 80, this is the loot that you could expect to get. That's cool in the sense of like, you know, you can kind of, um, you know, take a look at it before you decide to commit to, to you know, purchasing the, that particular season. However, what's lost is that there's no sense of, of the unknown anymore, right? Like the loot boxes are fun because you never know what you're going to get. Sometimes you could be disappointed. Other times you could be like totally jazzed. It just depends. But for me, I wish that like, you know, maybe they, they could figure out a way where obviously within the battle pass system, you don't necessarily have to purchase the battle pass if you don't want to. I believe there are certain items that you might, might be able to uh, earn as you go. Like if you decide that, that you want to just take your time and, and uh, grind through getting certain things. I think though in the battle pass, it unlocks, unlocks um, the different tiers but in order to actually use them, you have to buy the battle pass. I do think that it would be very cool for the Blizzard team to be able to also create some other types of loot items that would only exist within loot boxes and maybe have those loot boxes be a part of kind of the leveling up process that doesn't necessarily um, remain behind like the, the paywall of a battle pass. But just to be able to every once in a while, like, oh, by the way, you know, doesn't cost you a penny, but we're just giving you a loot box and, and you can have some some new loot or whatever. I just think in the spirit of, of like traditional Overwatch, that would be really cool. So I've talked quite a bit about my impressions of it. I do want to address one of the, the issues that I've had 
And, you know, the DDoS stuff, honestly, that's to be expected. I've come to realize that with every type of Blizzard release that comes out, there's always like this initial like drama that goes on because there are so many people who are excited to play their latest game. And unfortunately, you have other folks who are always up to nefarious uh, activities and, and trying to cause headaches and that sort of thing. That is understandable. Um, I do find it a bit odd, and I don't know if this is a bug in the game, but when Steve and I were playing through the quick play, again, we weren't playing competitive, but we were playing quick play. There have been several nights where we were playing where we just lost every single game we played. And it was a bit surprising to us because while we are not, you know, it's not like we're diamond tiered players or whatever, right? I mean, (laughs) at the same time, we've put hundreds of hours into the first Overwatch and we are competent in our own way. We're not newbies. We play a lot of first person shooters and in Overwatch one, like, I mean, we would, I would say on average, we would win at least 50% of the matches that we played with, you know, uh, in some cases, winning about 75% of the matches that we played. So what was interesting was that it, it, the the matches themselves weren't even necessarily competitive from the standpoint of, oh, that was so close. Oh, I can't believe we, we couldn't quite finish the deal. We couldn't quite get over the finish line. Instead, it was very much the other team was just, it felt like they were like grabbing me and like wiping my face uh, along the floor like a mop and there just wasn't any kind of challenge for the other team whatsoever because they were so much better than us. I mean, it was, it was, it was this huge matter of, of being outclassed. And I went on to some of the overwatch forums today and you have all kinds of folks who are like super good at the game who are complaining about how apparently their rank has not carried over from overwatch. And so, they're, they're somehow getting placed in bronze. And so I think that may be what's going on is that for someone like myself, where like, if I get placed in bronze, Hey, you know, (laughs) not a big deal. You know, I think I'm like a silver, like tiered player, but to have people who are like grandmaster or diamond or whatever in the bronze category and going through, I mean, it makes perfect sense. It was a beat down. I'm not going to lie. I had certain moments where I wanted to just shelf the game because the fun factor was gone. Like it's one thing to lose closely. It's completely different when like you're just being decimated. There's no challenge whatsoever. And honestly, I think for those players too, there is a bit of disappointment because they didn't have to earn that victory. They're so far beyond better than people like myself it's like, okay, well, we did that. Uh, you know, we're able to notch that win into, you know, being able to like move up the chain, move up the ladder. But I mean, I think everybody who plays the game wants to have like a pretty good challenge. It's it's good to be equally matched, so to speak. So hopefully Blizzard is able to address that. I have a feeling it's probably just a bug they're having to, to also squash. And that's just part of what happens when you uh, when you release a, a new game. But, you know, overall, I'm so happy that Overwatch 2 has been released. One of the main questions that I've had swirling around in my head is, is it a sequel 
or is it an update? Because what's interesting is that while we do have three new heroes, we've gotten the graphic and audio facelift. We also have a few new maps, which uh, I know I haven't talked uh, really about at all, but I can tell you they're all gorgeous. They're all beautiful. I, I have really enjoyed the, the layout design of them as well as the aesthetics. But what's interesting to me is that the game largely feels like Overwatch 1 in just in terms of like this sheer amount of content that has been brought over. And that, I think that's where there's kind of like this interesting situation where I'm glad that they brought all that stuff over, but I'm surprised that there is not an equal amount of new content to complement the old content. And even if I'm saying like, let, let's say for instance, we go back to like how much content they had when Overwatch was first released. I want to say that it's still not one-to-one. -one. Like I think that, well, obviously I mean, like in Overwatch one, you had far more heroes out of the gate than you do with Overwatch two. You have three. I think in, in Overwatch one, there were um, a number of more maps than there are with Overwatch two. And that is a bit of a head scratch just because the teams at Blizzard are huge and they've had years to work on the sequel. I do think that I, um, part of, all of, of the lawsuits that they've had to, to deal with and go through. I, and, and, and as a, as a byproduct of that, you have a lot of senior leadership leaving, but you also have mid-level uh, talent leaving as well. I think that there was, there has been the, this broad shakeup within the studio and I can't help but wonder if that negatively impacted what was originally scoped out in the Overwatch 2 roadmap. As an outsider, I have no idea, but I, I do wonder if if that played a role in terms of, of what we're seeing what, what we're seeing now. However, I'm I mean I'm remaining positive in terms of the outlook of what they're going to present. And I know that they had already come out with um, this kind of like mini roadmap where they're showing, okay, here's what you can expect as of today when the game comes out, you know, as, as uh, it applies to the battle pass, you know, you have all these different uh, criteria that they're including. And then they went, went into season two, which I think, I think they talked about it being, um, either the end of November or beginning of December is when season two kicks off. And they were already talking about, Hey, we're going to have a new tank hero. That's going to be released for season two, as well as um, um, a number of other things. And I'll, I'll, if I can find that, I'll put it up on the screen for you so you can check it out. And then they were also talking about, you know, beyond season one and season two, here's what you can um, expect from us. And so it's very obvious that their commitment to the game is ironclad Every game they've done in the past, they've really fleshed out. They've, they've provided substantial amount of content. And so it definitely makes me look forward to seeing. I, I, I can't wait to see what other new heroes are going to be introduced as well as celebrating the, the current roster of heroes. You know, I, I do hope that someday we're going to be able to look at a, an Overwatch hero roster that maybe is comprised of like 50 plus heroes. Like if we start getting into like League of Legends territory, but with Overwatch heroes, that would be pretty freaking sweet in my humble opinion. 
Well, that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. If you enjoyed this episode, I invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm where you can enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention, it continues financially helping us doing Joygasm. Also, don't forget to click on that subscribe button as well as that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single solitary episode of Joygasm. It drops once a week each week. And while you're at it, you can always do a search for at Joygasm TV on your favorite social media platform of choice. We're on all of them. Last but not least, if you want to see us play Overwatch 2, I invite you to check us out on Joygasm. Well, actually, no, it is Twitch. Yes. So do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our Overwatch 2 adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We look forward to, by we, I mean myself and the spiritual sibling over here when he makes his return next week.